Welcome to the India Fintech Diaries, the only podcast focused exclusively on the Indian fintech market. I'm Elroy. And I'm Himan. In each episode, we dive into the latest trends, ideas, innovations, business models, and personalities that are shaping India's fintech landscape. We also invite amazing guests who are innovators and industry players that are driving the change that is helping make financial services more modern, innovative, and inclusive in India. Come join us as we explore the changing landscape of fintech in India. Welcome back to India Fintech Diaries, the show where we discuss all things Indian fintech. After a short late winter break, we are back with all new content that focuses on the ever-changing landscape of Indian fintech. What are we discussing today, Hemant? Well, Elroy, for today's episode, we will look at a new and emerging space that has the potential to not just change how millions of Indians shop online, but also impact the fintech industry that powers that revolution. I am talking about Open Network for Digital Commerce or ONDC. To discuss ONDC, we have with us today Sushmit Patodia, Director at Antlow. Welcome to India Fintech Diary, Sushmit. Thank you. Very, very excited to be here. Sushmit, thanks a ton for joining us here today. Before we begin, can you quickly introduce yourself, give us a little bit about your background and also tell our listeners a little bit about Antlow. Uh, sure, Walter. I hail from Chennai, did uh, my commerce there, worked for a mutual fund company way back in 2002 uh, when the okay. industry was just a 1 lakh crore AUM. You know, that's the amount of SIPs we get now in a year. So seeing the evolution of that industry, uh, went on to work with Accenture Consulting for about three years and then uh, spent 15 years in listed markets. Uh, my last role was a fund manager. Somewhere around uh, just before COVID is where my interest in this whole tech ecosystem was sparked, primarily by the IPOs that were coming in. And I thought that the more people I met, the more companies I met, I became convinced that the next uh, 10 years in India is not only about the decade of India, but what I call the decade of India. Uh, You are going to see so many entrepreneurs come up that I was desperate to think about moving closer to this ecosystem. And that's where uh, Antler intertwined. And... uh, you know, one of my core missions of moving from uh, the listed world to Bangalore is, uh, you know, to connect Kurla and Koramangla. I don't think these two worlds talk to each other very well. Yep, yep. Uh, and there is so much value to be derived for both these worlds when they talk to each other. So, yeah, that's uh, where, uh, that's been my journey uh, into the startup world. On Antler, uh, Antler is a six-year-old firm, now present in 25 countries across the world. India is a two-year-old uh, setup it was founded by Rajiv and Nitin. Rajiv, uh, most of you may know, was the founder of Urban Ladder, the first online furniture company. And, uh, you know, once it was sold to Reliance, he started uh, Antler. Uh, Antler globally invests only in pre-seed. Uh, we back founders from day zero and hopefully till greatness. This year, we also will overtake Y Combinator as the most active investor in the world. Uh, we will do over 600 startups uh, so, yeah, that's uh, Antler. Very, very exciting journey. Excellent. That's pretty interesting, Susmit. Susmit, today the uh, size of the e-commerce industry in India is about maybe 40 to $50 billion. And it's been one of the most rapidly growing segments of the economy in India. It's expected to grow to almost maybe 120 to $150 billion over the next three to five years as per a recent FIKI report. But even then, if you look at the actual penetration of e-commerce into the entire economy per se, it's just about 5 to 7% of the overall retail in the country. So talk to us a little about how we got here and some of the challenges faced by the space. 
so how we got here is very interesting i think the whole unlock happened you know intertwined because of a few events happening uh, back okay. to back uh, started with demon i think that was the first real uh, event that made people comfortable in online payment and that took away one big friction point of e-commerce adoption in india which is payment the second was uh, a gst i think gst reduced the uh, advantages of not being formal which again lends to e-commerce as you know e-commerce cannot cater to the informal economy uh, because right. it's tracked so i think gst was the second i would say factor that caused higher uh, or increased adoption and uh, third is uh, venture capital i think without capital you cannot uh, explore this sector uh, we can have a debate yep. on how much is good how much is bad but you cannot take away the fact that venture capital and capital from all over the world contributed to the explosion of e-commerce so yeah these three factors took us from nearly 0% 10 years ago to 8% uh, which is fantastic but the challenges are you know if you just go back i think any new commerce is constrained by the friction that it that the customers have to face as they adopt right uh, so today if you look at okay if you look at 5 years ago the friction was payments right uh, cash on delivery was super expensive uh, it was very very tedious and hence e-commerce adoption was very slow today the impediment seems to be from the seller's perspective which is the very very high uh, what i call participation rate into the e-commerce right if you look at the general participation rate it ranges anywhere from 15 to 25% uh, yeah. irrespective of who you are where you are what you do or what you sell and that to us seems like the next big friction point which needs to be eliminated for e-commerce penetration to go high and uh, what role has uh, platforms such as uh, flipkart and uh, amazon actually played in possibly growing the sector uh, that's one question that i would have and the other question is in your opinion what's also broken about the way platforms approach the space uh right elroy so you know we have to look everything with the context so you know let me start with the context of flipkart and amazon 7 years ago if uh, you were to order from someone whom you didn't know uh, right it was a massive trust deficit for you to go out pay that person right. and wait for 24 hours to get the delivery right uh that's and right. that's what app flipkart and amazon plugged it right? which is what we call there are two aspects to any platform that they they bring to the market one is the infrastructure and the second is governance uh, let me explain okay. this to you and then probably tie this in as well into where we are today when i call when i say infrastructure it means allowing buyers to browse allowing buyers to select and uh, getting the sellers on the platform right so this whole infrastructure right. of buyer browsing seller fulfilling and ensuring that the delivery happens so this is the okay. infrastructure of any commerce right you go into a market yeah. you look at something you buy and you take it home now come the governance part which i think is what flipkart and amazon brilliantly solved which is they backstopped the governance layer of the transaction right so if you ordered some something from a bookseller in timbuktu uh, right it didn't matter as long as they were verified by amazon or flipkart it was delivered to you right uh, yeah. so these are the two huge things that these platforms uh, fulfilled right which is governance and infrastructure right and for this they obviously you know took a participation rate from the buyer from the seller mostly and sometimes from the buyer as well which is 20 to 25% uh, 
Now you come over to the context where we are today, which is a lot of these services have now been broken down into specialized niches, right? So you have someone who right. logistics very well, someone who can be a great uh, a discovery platform, and someone who can verify the selves. Uh, so there right. are now companies which have emerged in all these three aspects of infrastructure. Now comes the governance part, and this is where I think the whole advent of blockchain and data contracts have brought the revolution to this context, which is, do you need someone to control the governance or can data itself be controlled by certain protocols? Okay. So that's where we are today, uh, which is that uh, what you needed Flipkart and Amazon a few years ago to ensure that this both these services are fully provided for. But as we have evolved, uh, do we need one company to do it all? Uh, is the real big question in front of everyone for the next 10 years to be on. I think that kind of gets me a very nice segue into what uh, ONDC is all about. So maybe, Susmit, you could also quickly contrast uh, with the same mental construct of governance and trust, right? And look at uh, what what is ONDC actually trying to solve and what's the problem statement that ONDC is trying to solve? And how is it different or similar to the platforms and the kind of e-commerce we have today? Uh, great. So ONDC is, uh, you know, is, is firstly a protocol, right? And I think a lot right. of people think about ONDC as a website or as a platform, which is in competition to Amazon. It is not, right? It is right. just a protocol. It's a set of rules which allows for commerce uh, to happen in an interoperable way and a disaggregated way, right? That's all right. it is. It is not an Amazon killer. It is not a Swiggy killer. It is not a Zomato killer, right? right. It's just the evolution uh, of commerce. Now, if I were to take the same mental model of governance and infrastructure, you know, let's look at infrastructure. Today, you can use a Google or a Paytm or a PhonePay to search for something you want to buy, right? right. Uh, the experience today may not be as good as, an, as you have in Amazon or Flipkart, but you can still do it, right? Secondly, you can then decide whether you want to get the delivery by a load share, a delivery, or a, even a blue dot, right? And thirdly, the sellers, uh, because they have digitized their catalogs thanks to these platforms earlier, can actually attach themselves to anybody and able to sell you what you're looking for, right? So this is how ONDC, basically the protocol, breaks these three things down into independent units or participants of that network, right? So a buyer, seller and a fulfillment agency all three are different participants now the question that you may have is how do i have a seamless commerce transaction if all these three parties are different and this is where the protocol comes in there is a set of standard protocols uh, sorry standard set of rules and uh, uh, software sdks where if you comply with them and you will get on the protocol and the protocol rules will take care that this transaction is seamless so Sushmit, if we have to understand this entire process uh, more from, say, the buyer's point of view and look at a whole journey, say, I am ordering, say, a ballpoint pen on one of the buyer apps. How does the journey look like? Was the question in my mind is, if I am the one ordering, who takes care of weaving saying, okay, I am on the buyer app, so that's selected, but which delivery model or logistic player I require, which payments app would be used? Who would I go to if there is a problem with the delivery? All those questions arise. 
So if you can just walk us through the entire journey with one say customer journey, that would be really helpful. Sure. So you know, let's say you go to Google, right, and you say, "I want to, I want a ballpoint pen," right? Right. Uh, now, assume Google is on ONDC, uh, connected to the ONDC protocol, and uh, and there are ten pen sellers, right, who have also come on to the ONDC protocol. Now, how do you come on to the ONDC protocol? Just to uh, take it, uh, just to explain that it's a very very simple process. There are multiple seller apps. where you can go and say okay can you help me get on ondc and they'll help you get on ondc right all they do is uh, connect you to the ondc protocol right uh, so you so you're looking for a ballpoint pen you see 10 sellers who can sell you a ballpoint pen now you can choose any one right and here is where the protocol's power comes in which is they are not sorted by ad fees paid right they are not okay. sorted by things that Uh, are not useful to a customer right you select one now after you select it again gives you an option as to what kind of fulfillment participant do you want so mm. let's say you have three options cheapest fastest moderately cheap moderately fast right you can choose any mm. of the three right today you know as i say you really don't have too much choice of fulfillment right so Or you know, if you have ordered a fifty thousand rupees laptop from Amazon or a five hundred rupees charging wire, your delivery experience is the same, right? Now, should it be the same? I don't think so. And that is where you can actually choose the way you want to get fulfilled. So, if you want a ballpoint pen now, it may cost you two rupees extra, but it will deliver to you in ten minutes. If you want it for tomorrow office, and you don't care about it, but if it comes as long as it comes in twenty four hours, you may get it cheaper. Uh, so that is again a seamless uh, follow through. and then the payment happens uh, to y- to your buyer app which will ensure that it is uh, passed on to the seller and the fulfillment uh, parties right so for the customer it does not feel like you know they have gone through five loops or five uh, transactions for them it is just in one additional click uh, which is to choose your fulfillment uh, partner now let's say uh, there is an issue and the ballpoint pen reaches you but there is no okay uh yeah. you want to raise it up so this responsibility in the protocol lies with the buyer app right so you raise the issue okay. and uh, you know you again this is the governance layer it is called the odr layer or the online dispute resolution uh, layer mm-hmm. uh, just to avoid becoming too technical basically what happens is that the buyer uh, you know sends out a you know a signal to the seller app that You know, this has not happened, and then the seller app can either replace it or process the refund. Right, very simple. All this happens for the buyer seamlessly. One small question there, then Sushmit, if ODR and please feel free to become technical. I think our listeners are only the ones who really are keen on fintech, so okay. feel free to do that. On the ODR side, because they are playing this role. from financial standpoint who pays to the odr is it the buyer who pays or the seller who pays for the service that they are plugging into the entire journey uh, so uh, the all all payment uh, please do remember that mm-hmm. all payments happen from the buyer app right because okay. that is the central mm-hmm. repository of the money right they wire the money to the seller now if an odr is triggered uh, mm-hmm. the way this is envisaged is that see these are going to be extremely low payment calls right so for example right. the seller app may not charge more than 3% of the whole transaction 
to the seller mm-hmm. right i buyer app may not mm-hmm. not more than 1% and odr ping may not be more than 10 paise so this is all about volume uh, so the payment to odr is 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 actually what odr does is will just be a blockchain enabled uh, dispute resolution mechanism right so it's mm-hmm. actually going to be a program at the back that's very interesting actually this raises so many question and so many opportunities in my mind as well because the point you said that uh, when you want to collect uh, connect a seller to the entire system there is a protocol but then i also see that if you are plugging into say multiple basically seller solutions maybe there is some support required by the the actual shop as well for them to have something in front of their face to manage their integration into multiple seller apps and tracking their selling cash flows everything on a single interface and everything so yeah i think like too many opportunities there now since sushmit omndc is looking to centralize decentralize and unbundle a lot of traditional elements of e-commerce can you tell us what the current traction on omndc is who are the main builders what's happening also omndc is i would say still extremely early in its journey you pretty much have almost uh, i think the logistics layer is now packed you have mm-hmm. uh, amazon recently announced that it will be a part of omndc so you have delivery dunzo amazon load share ship rocket etc everyone on uh, the logistics part there is a host of uh, seller apps which are coming up slowly you know you have people like seller app e samudai growth falcons uh, n store and so on right so these are uh, what we call seller apps now what their job is they primarily do two things right so if you're a kirana you are not going to have the software expertise uh, or the wherewithal to go and enroll on to ndc right to manage right. the sdks etc etc so you go to let's say an n store and say you know get me on ndc n store mm. will do very very simple they'll uh, take your they'll help you with the cataloging and uh, they will put your catalog up on ndc that's it uh, they will manage the whole uh, seller app experience, uh, seller app for that kirana for example and uh, so think of them as a form of shopify right uh, for that kirana store and a buyer app can be anyone and i think this is where uh, you will see a lot of innovation uh, today the you know what we call the instagram buying experience is broken and instagram become a buyer app why not mm. right you know today you know people like airtel vodafone and jio have the largest digital uh, consumer uh, real estate but uh, there's no commerce that happens there except you paying your bill now if the three of these have 800 million subscribers and that's the primary way to uh, access commerce can they become buyer apps they can right uh, you already have paytm and phone pay which are the other owners of large digital customers who are uh, becoming buyer apps so you know you could have any of these people becoming buyer apps uh, seller app are going to look like technology or saas or shopify kind of players who help a lot of these uh, commerce entities come online and uh, then uh, your logistics is fairly simple for you to understand odr is something that is i would say uh, still being uh, still in the infancy uh, there are a lot of players in this uh, you there are credgenix pepnai adrs so there are a few players but this is something that even ondc as a protocol is uh, putting in place right now now since along with the flow of goods there is a flow of money and we are on a fintech podcast so the obvious question is in your opinion what's the opportunity 
on ONDC for the entire fintech space. What are your thoughts on the role fintech will play and the opportunity that exists when it comes to ONDC for fintech? Great. Uh, so this is where the you know the part of the governance comes in. One of the biggest uh, you know disadvantages of being on a platform for a seller is they don't know who their customer is. Right. Correct. Right? This gets solved with ONDC because you know who your customer. Right. Mm. Uh, which means, uh, and the second aspect is, you are also your your ratings. Right now, imagine if I am an Uber driver or I am a seller on Amazon, and what what is my resume? My resume is the ratings that I have on these platforms. Correct. Correct. Now, if something wrong happens and I lose all my ratings, I basically have no business resume anymore. Yeah. Right. So these are the two things that get unlocked from ONDC for a seller, which is I know who my customer is. And secondly, I am in control of my ratings. Now let's take this to, now let's keep this thought and move to the money angle. Now when money moves, uh, currently you will have, uh, you will need uh, what we call, you will need a RSP switch, right? Which is the reconciliation and settlement switch where, uh, Think of them as a Visa or a MasterCard switch, right? Uh, so you will need that switch between the buyer and seller app. So that is the first fintech opportunity. Uh, they in turn will interact with the uh, the NPCI switch, for example, uh, ensuring that the money is uh, flowing between the banks and ONDC, right? So this is how the money right. flow happens. Now, let's say I'm buying a fifty thousand rupee laptop through ONDC. A fintech can actually sit on top of this uh, switch be a part of the switch or seller app and give me instant finance right right and i don't have to be on a platform to give you instant finance i can be anyone as long as i'm plugged into the ondc protocol i can give you instant finance yeah right number one so this is the first i think where fintech would be very very useful but you already have shades of this on on the current uh, platforms the the more interesting aspect is on the seller side financing Right. right now, as soon as a seller gets an order, the seller knows who the customer is. The seller knows exactly what the order is. And uh, now, if I'm a fintech who's sitting, who wants to only finance sellers, I can do a order-wise financing to the seller, depending on the rating, depending on who the customer is, depending on the size of the order, depending on the delivery cycle of the order, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, which was not possible earlier. Yeah, that to us is the much bigger opportunity, which is. Uh, and, you know, this has been a problem in India, right? Which is this whole SME financing. It's something that we've spoken about a lot, but not got great ways to solve this yet. I think right. this could be a great way to solve it. So I'm a Kanchipuram sari seller in Kanchipuram. I've got a sari order for 10 saris. You know, these saris can be very expensive. Let's say 20,000 rupees a sari, 2 lakh rupees of order. The buyer is a great civil score holder. And uh, I want financing for four days. If I, for the time I procure myself to be even send it off, can a fintech sit on top of this and give me financing support? While this addresses the fintech aspect of it, right, in the in the recent report that you authored, you also called ONDC as an $80 billion opportunity for the economy, right? Can you de- dive a little bit deeper into that? Other than fintech, what are some of the other white spaces in ONDC that startups can look at building for today? Yeah, and this is uh, really what is the most exciting part for us as venture capitalists, right? yeah. uh, which is that if you look at today in e-commerce, you either have $10 billion plus outcomes yes, or you have nothing. It's basically a winner takes all in short. Yeah, correct. 
because and one of the reasons for that is that you have to develop the full stack for you to have a right to win right right which is buyer seller fulfillment governance the whole stack which is very very challenging right now why we put out the 80 billion is very simple right we, we believe that the total valuation that e-commerce companies currently have is approximately 80 billion dollars right and we said that this is dominated by four four people are valued at 80% of that now if i am allowed to build stack by stack right or build or break that stack down and build only for buyer only for seller can we have 80 unicorns rather than four decacorns in the e-commerce space going forward and that is really our vision we believe that there will be one logistics provider who will specialize and do so well as being a part of ondc that they will go on to become a unicorn there will be a right. seller app who will cater to let's say all the kiranas in india right or even in west india and has the potential to become a unicorn there may be a, a logistics person who can actually like one of the big issues in india has been furniture right furniture e-commerce penetration is less than 4% because fulfillment is such a big problem in india when it comes to furniture yeah. now imagine i am going to try and become the just a furniture fulfillment player and i'll do it for anybody yeah right. can i become a unicorn right so those are the kind of thing that we envisage can happen which is if you unbundle and disaggregate you have the opportunity for founders to specialize and become efficient awesome i think sushmit this was a great conversation we are coming out of this podcast learning so much about ondc that then that what we knew getting into the podcast so if sushmit this has piqued the interest of our listeners and they want to know more and reach out to you what would be the best way that the listeners can connect with you i mean the best way is to just drop me an email our job okay. is to talk to founders and and discuss uh, <laughs> with them we will uh, we are ready to talk to as many people who are interested in building uh, on ondc uh, my email id is sushmit.patodia@antler.co just drop me a mail that's a pretty simple email id but still what we'll do is we'll include those that email id in the show notes thanks once again sushmit for coming on the show and spending time with us thank you so much it's been a pleasure thank you so much for what you're doing for our ecosystem thanks sushmit that's it from india fintech diaries for this week do log on to our website indiafintechdiaries.com for exclusive content we also cover fintech deep dives in our substack newsletter so do subscribe and until next time mask on and stay safe